For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello gamers and welcome to Budget Arcade, a free-to-play gaming podcast to help you navigate through the growing realm of free-to-play games. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. I'm Elliot. And welcome to episode number 46. Just to recap, we play a free-to-play game each week and then we rate and review it, but not this week. This week we actually have a special guest, uh, Ronnie Pascal. Ooh, I like special guests. I'll take that every time. Yeah, stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Tony. Danny K. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have someone print the transcript and then mail this to my grandmother and put it on the wall and be like, special guest always. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Ron. Where can people find you? Uh, the most predominant place to find me is on Twitter, at uh, Ronnie Pascal. I spend way too much time on my Twitter. And I also do stand-up shows in New York City. And I'm going to L.A. in February to do stand up for a few weeks so that is my main outlet these days so what we like to do is kind of like a round robin uh question and answer with our guests uh if you're okay mm-hmm. with that oh 100 so i hope you prepared questions for us i actually did so <laughs> dang it <laughs> just in case it was that kind of show <laughs> that's what makes you the special guest Woo-hoo. yeah you're the first one that's actually prepared questions for us well they're just like general generic questions boxers but... briefs yeah top bottom uh, what kind of cologne do y'all wear you have cologne money deodorant me no I wear Axe. I'm poor. Ooh. I should have Axe sponsor my stand-up. There you go. Jeff, you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. Just um, This is pretty general, but it's kind of the creative process. Like, can you take me through, like, think of a, a bit or a joke or, or something that you've written, uh, sort of the genesis of the idea, the preparation of it, and then actually putting it in your act? What's that? What's that? Sure. Like? Uh, so I've actually come up with a new process recently. So for the last like five to like eight years, I started doing stand up in 2012 or 2012. And I have been, I was writing jokes for a long time, putting them on Twitter and I wasn't sure like what to do with them. They were just kind of sitting there because my dream has always been right for a late night TV show, like a Kimmel or a Fallon or something like that. And so I was just like pooping out jokes all day long. And then if they weren't doing well on Twitter, I'd delete them. And then uh, usually it's just like funny puns that have come up in real life in conversation with other people. And then seeing how like the general world has, how they take to it kind of thing, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. 
But uh, what I started doing, I added a little section to my stand-up called Tweet It or Delete It. And I'll, I'll just say, hey, I didn't tweet this yet. Uh, what do you all think of this joke? I'll say the joke. And if the audience is like, tweet it, then I keep the joke. Mm. And if they say delete it enough times, I'm like, all right, cool. That joke is done. Are you a little worried that they're just being nice? No, I've done it in front of a whole bunch of different people. I'm a nerd. I'm a baseball stat nerd. So what I started doing with to like adapt that into my jokes is I made a spreadsheet of all my jokes and I record every single show. I listen to them later mm-hmm. and I rate what the audience's reaction was to each joke. So they all have like a numerical grading system. Is that crazy or That's what? That's intense. Interesting. So it, are there things where you listen back and uh, you, you, you listen to maybe one of your jokes and you're like, oof, maybe that wasn't that good. Yeah, there was a joke that I tweeted that got like 500 likes on Twitter. And then I've told it five times and it's got a groan every single time. <laughs> What's the joke? What's like, the joke? Now you can't like leave us hanging. Oh, I'll tell the joke. <laughs> ah, all right. So it's true story. This morning I woke up in an escape room. But come to find out, it was just my bedroom, and to get out, I had to defeat no, defeat my depression. <laughs> that got groans? That's pretty good. Yeah, that joke gets a groan every single time. Well, you know, maybe those people aren't depressed normally. I guess so. But I even told this, I told this joke the other day at a show that was uh, depression-themed. So it was, <laughs> a whole, it was a whole bunch of stand-ups just doing depression material. And the audience was buying into every other joke except that one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to retire it then. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't know how to tell jokes. <laughs> maybe, or it could be, maybe it needs to be restructured. I don't know. I'm not a comedian. Yeah. Maybe the, the idea is there. delivery, right? Yeah. But... Yeah. We'll figure it out. Or just delete it. All right, so... I've got a uh, list of tiers of different comedian styles. So I wanted you to rate yourself in which tier you think you land in as, as far as being a comedian is concerned. Cool. So Sounds good. I've got the common tier. That's your starting out comedian, the ones that are probably paying to actually go to a place and do their comedy bit. Uh, you got uh, your... I don't do that anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, your rare comedian, the one that's still trying to uh, cut their teeth on it and get into the business, but it's not quite there. Uh, your epic comedians, which are your like Conan O'Brien's that have like a show or have done Saturday Night Live or The Simpsons, and then of course your legendary comedians, your Robin Williams, your Jerry Seinfeld, stuff like that. Oh man, I'm no Robin Williams or Conan O'Brien. Uh, yeah, I'm probably I'm like in the second tier, maybe, hopefully. Um, I feel like I've passed like it being a hobby, but not, I haven't got to the point where it's been a paid job a whole lot yet. I have, uh, written jokes for websites and made some money, but not enough to like sustain my entire life yet off of it. All right. Elliot. All right. So my wife and I, for Valentine's day this year, we're taking a couple's improv class. Ooh, that sounds fun. I'm re- we're both like super excited for it. So, give me some tips before I go. I'm like I'm familiar with the whole like yes and kind of thing, but like, mm-hmm. what should I know before I go take this class so I don't sound like a complete idiot the entire time? Yeah, good luck. Well, this is right up my alley because I used to be an improv teacher for a long time. Um, yeah, yes and well, the joke that I was going to make a long time ago that I cut out of my stand up set 
is that there should be a improv video game where you have to just say yes and over and over <laughs> and you get more yes and points. Um, but yeah, I would just say like, be yourself. Don't try to be funny. And that's the people who try to be funny are actually the worst at it. And you'd be surprised by that, but just like the more truthful you are uh, and the more funny weird is going to come out. Oh, cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Where are you taking the class? It is, um, it's a theater. I live in Columbus, Ohio. It's a theater. I think it's called the Nest Theater. Oh, cool. So, I'll have to check it out. It's like one of the bigger, they have a lot of improv classes there. So if we like it, it's like a specifically a couples thing. So we're really okay. excited for that. So. And it's just on Valentine's Day, like a one day. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I guess they do a bunch of other kind of like improv classes, like leveled classes, but this is like a strict uh, couples thing. So, oh, that sounds very romantic. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> you haven't listened to Elliot's podcast then, because uh, he's quite verbally abusive. Oh no, <laughs> she's verbally abusive. I'm not verbally abusive. Oh, what do you expect? Though, right? yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, you'll love hearing that later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you could edit it out. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Yeah. Um, so we kind of got a little bit of your process, but now now I want to kind of hear your story in a lot of ways, just as like comedy, where you decided I have a passion for this, I want to do it. You know, kind of where you started, where you are now, and what's next for you. Uh, what's the next big mm-hmm. accomplishment on your list, so to speak? Cool. So I grew up, I was actually very shy growing up and I was afraid to like so much so that when I was in like kindergarten, my mother had to pay my karate teacher to teach me solo classes because I was afraid to be around other kids. And I don't know where that came from or why it went away. But uh, in middle school, I was this I was a class clown, but in a weird way where I didn't want attention. So I would tell jokes, but like try to play it off on someone else, if that makes any sense. And I never really thought about it being a career, but I like kept on writing. I wrote my first parody song in 1996 as an 11-year-old. It was really dirty, though. I will never tell people what it was called or anything. But I still write parody songs for, uh, for some shows. So I was like, oh, this is something that just will never go away. And then... About 10 years ago, I was, I, was, I was supposed to get a promotion at work that just never came through. Uh, they like, told me, like, oh, you're going to be the store manager. I was a grocery store clerk, mm-hmm. and they told me I was going to be a store manager. And it didn't come through. And I was driving one day, and a radio ad came on for an improv show that was coming to my hometown. I'm from New Haven, Connecticut. And Second City, which is the biggest improv theater in the world, uh, they're coming to town. And in the radio ad, they're like, oh, yeah, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are coming. But they were not coming. Uh, But I went to the show anyways, and it was mind-blowingly good. And I was like, oh, cool. How do I do this? So I asked one of the performers after the show. And she just suggested that I go to New York and take improv classes since New Haven and New York are just about an hour and a half away. Mm. And I... For the first, I signed up for, uh, it was eight weeks every Wednesday, and I signed up for a Wednesday class, and I went, uh, drove after work every day for eight weeks and enjoyed it so much, Uh, but it was so against what I would be normally doing, because growing up the shy kid, the first few weeks, I would say the first, like, 10 to 12 classes, I would just, like, break out in, like, sweats my entire body every time I would just think about going up to do an improv scene. And then after a while, that has like gotten less and less and less. So I got more comfortable doing it. And then after doing improv for 
about six months driving from New Haven to New York once a week, I decided, oh, I just need to move to New York and just do this. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So I quit my job uh, and I just tried to figure out how to make New York work for me. So uh, I did a lot of freelance theater technician work. So I do a lot of lighting, a lot of sound so that I could like stay in the industry without having to get a real job, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, what I was doing for the first couple of years. And then I got this big promotion that I don't think I deserved. So I wrote with my two friends, we wrote a uh, wrote and produced and staged a Back to the Future musical parody that ended up doing really well. And oh my gosh, the, uh, media, our, yeah. one of our other podcast friends, the uh, Media Obscura, they would love to hear that, I'm sure. Ooh, yeah, I would love to talk about that if they'd like. Uh, yeah, they, so they, that actually... they have to make a Back to, Fu- Back to the Future reference in at least one every episode that they do just about. Oh, perfect. Uh, I would fit in really well there. Yeah, that idea all actually came about by accident. I was, uh, so I was working at that theater that I was just talking about, and my two best friends were bartending at that theater. They lived next door to me, and one night I got really drunk at work, well, after work, because there's a bar at the theater, and they're like, hey, just go take a nap, and then we'll drive you home and uh, everything will be fine, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, one of them texted me and they're like, did you mean what you said last night? <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> and like all this dread fell over my body and I was like, I don't remember anything. I was like, t- I was literally probably like seven whiskeys deep. And I was like, I don't have any remembrance of anything. They're like, oh, you said you want to write and stage a Back to the Future musical. I was like, yeah, we could do that, but it would have to be a parody because we don't have the rights to do any of that. And so we did it. It sold out for like eight straight weeks. Nice. And yeah, it did really good. And then we actually ended up selling it to a theater in Australia. So it ran in Australia for a little while, like a year or two ago. Um, Yeah, so I started doing that. And then a theater hired me as their lead producer because they thought that I knew what I was doing. And all of this was, a, all of that started because I got drunk in the backseat of my friend's car one day. And then, so I was doing that for a little while. And then after being a producer at the theater for three years, I got a little tired of it and just kind of quit. I kind of stopped doing comedy altogether for about a year and a half. And then I moved to California, but not to do like the Los Angeles thing, but just because my friends were living there. Like, oh, you could sleep on our couch till you figure out what you want to be doing with your life. So I was like, oh, that's great. Uh... And then about two years ago is when I came back and I was like, oh, I just need to just move back to New York and do comedy because this is a thing that's not going away. There's all of like, it's what I want to be doing. So in the last year and a half, two years, I just have been doing as many stand-up and improv shows as I can be doing. Mm. Um, And like the goal for me has always been to write for TV. And the journey that I've been on, I feel like I've self-sabotaged a whole bunch where I've been very close. I've submitted a lot of writing packets to a lot of TV shows. But I've also just like last minute, like found a way to sabotage it. So in this next year, well, in the last year and a half, I've been figuring out how do I not do that anymore? Hmm. So that is where I'm at right now. Elliot, you got a question? Yeah. Um, do you find it hard to like watch stand up specials now or like listen to like comedians podcasts because you're in that field or do you like, does that help you? Uh, that's a good question. It's different for everyone, I think. Uh, like for me, 
I was telling, so my day job now is theater lighting technician. And just before I was doing this podcast, I watched a friend's improv show. And I was like, I said to him, he was like, what did you think? And I was like, being very honest with you, I liked your show. And that's a huge compliment because I hate watching comedy. And uh, I do try to force myself to watch at least one hour of stand-up a day from people, especially people that I don't know who they are. Because I'm like, I don't generally want to watch it. And I want to like, I always feel like I might end up stealing jokes by accident or like, oh, that's a fun idea. And then it just sits in my brain. And like a month later, I say a joke that I heard. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be that guy who steals jokes, even if it's by accident. Um, Yeah, so I try to force myself to watch and listen to more. Because it's not like what I like. It's not what my inclination is first thing in the morning. Yeah. For like some... Go ahead. Uh, yeah, like I grew up as, when you asked me if when I was 16, 17, 18, what I was going to be, I was going to be a musician. So, uh, first thing in the morning is I tried to listen to like two or three brand new albums that I've never heard before. And, uh, I was going to kind of piggyback off of, uh, Elliot there is there's times where I'll listen back to myself or do something and I'll be like, Oh, Jeff, that was Brian Regan. You know, and not because I stole a joke or did a joke like that, but I take his cadence or Mm -hmm. have you ever found that in yourself where it's like, I got to stop that? Like, who was it sort of thing? Yeah, 100 percent. There is a lot of times where I'm like, oh, I'll tell a joke and then I'll hear someone else say it and then I'll see that they like said it like five years ago. And I was like, I just came up with that. And then I was. But the other thing, too, is I think that there's a lot of that because we're all pulling from the same source material we're all making fun of like the same politicians or we're all making fun of the same like celebrities or whatever or we just all like grew up like playing the same video games or whatever sure so it seems like a lot of comedians have a battle with depression a lot of times um Mm -hmm. what do you do to self-care to avoid that in your life how depressed are you on a scale of one to (laughs) ten Right now, or well, Scott has a very moment. Scott has a tier system of depressed. Go ahead and read off your depressed. Comp- yeah, give us an example, Scott. That. Yeah, I don't have the tier system. I thought like you had that perks of a wall- wallflower bad, or <laughs> oh, I liked that book when I was. Little. Oh, everyone liked that book when they were little. That's like everyone <laughs> loves Anne Ray- Ran, you know, in the beginning, and then you like get older, and you're like, oh, this is a horrible light of thought. Yeah, I didn't read Ayn Rand until about two, three years ago, and I was like, this isn't Yeah, yeah. When you're young, you're like, this is it. Why are we not doing this? And you're like, oh, this is why. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my depression was really bad from my, like, mid-teen... I'm 34 now, so mid-teenage years, like 13, 14, up until maybe two years ago. Uh, As soon as I moved to Los Angeles... This is the dumbest thing I've ever done, I think. But I took a train from New York City to L.A., which Ooh, took five oh days. <laughs> yeah. How much money did you save off of the ticket on a plane? None. It was the same exact price. Okay. But I was like, oh, it's going to be romantic if I see the country from a train window. And it was miserable. <laughs> um, and so within a week of being in L.A., I, I got this stress-induced disease called Bell's Palsy, and half of my face was paralyzed for two to three months. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I've had diseases in my body because of stress. Uh, I had this thing when I was little called Fitz disease. Uh, it's a rash that uh, it's on your like stomach, if I remember correctly. Uh, I have started having panic attacks when I was 18 that I had two a day from like 17 or 18 until I was 29, I think. Uh, and then I just started working on it. So when I was 29 is when I started going to a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in the last five years, I've done a lot more than I ever have to work on it. So I go to the gym five days a week now and I meditate a lot more. I do yoga. I do at least 15 minutes of yoga every day now. Um, and I've been forcing myself to read more. So that's surprisingly effective for me. Yeah, I'm of the train of thought that everyone should have counseling and it should be, uh, you know, covered by yeah. 100% by insurance because I think it would, everybody needs it no matter how good of a mood they are in. Uh, you can always be in a better place. Oh, definitely. I got lucky and I found, I don't know if this is outside of New York too because I haven't found it elsewhere, but I have sliding scale therapy. So it's, they base how much it costs on what you make for your income. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, they have those yeah. uh, where we're at as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like, eh, go get therapy. Like, cause the, when I started going to counseling, I was kind of at the bottom, and I was like, man, I should have done this a while ago. And now I'm doing loads better, but I still keep going and keep looking forward to it. So I'm like, I wonder how good I can get. Yeah. How good do you think you can get? Great, according to my counselor. Great. Are you almost at great? <laughs> I'm almost at great. Right now I'm a good. He's like, you're good. good. I like that. You're good. You're almost there. Jeff, do you have another question? Uh, yeah. So we are a video game podcast. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we're just going to do the full nerd. What's your favorite console? What's your favorite game? Oh, man. I, I was actually thinking about that on the way here because I did grow up playing video games and I and I haven't stopped. I just play differently now mm -hmm. is what I've realized. Because um, I was thinking, like, I never put this into perspective until recently. And it's, I was three years old when I got my first Nintendo NES system. Um, and so my parents' generation didn't grow up with video games. I was the first generation to grow up with video games, really. Uh, I mean, they had Atari, but I don't think they had it in the house. It wasn't accessible, really, for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was just like, oh, I loved playing Mario on NES, obviously. Um, I was such a nerd. Oh, so this being a free video game podcast, the Mario Kart that came out, what, like two, three months ago? Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with that recently uh, until I started realizing that it, you have to pay to get better and better and better. And I was like, I'm not paying any money on this game. <laughs> um, my favorite game ever is probably... I'm debating between two right now, and it's Fallout 3 and Skyrim. Mm. Both Bethesda. Yeah. You big RPG guy. I, uh, I wouldn't... I like some RPGs. Mm -hmm. I didn't... I like Chrono Cross was my favorite game in high school. Mm -hmm. So that was the one... But I didn't love Final Fantasy, so I wouldn't say that I was obsessive with RPGs. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked Fire Emblem a pretty decent amount. And then Grand Theft Auto 3 blew my mind, yep. but then it was it was weird because Grand Theft Auto 4 came out and I had no interest in playing it. Yeah, I, I still, to this day, there are two games that actually blew my mind the first time I played them was Grand Theft Auto 3 
in Minecraft. Mm -hmm. The first time I was like, yeah. I can do whatever I want. And it just was like... Well, with for me, for Minecraft, is watching my brother Danny play it. My brother Danny is... Uh, he's 25 or 26. And he is an expert gamer. And watching him play Minecraft and the amount of things he could do in Minecraft blows my mind. Because what he could do in one day, I couldn't do in two weeks of playing that game. Yeah. So that's been crazy for me. Um, yeah, and the whole reason that I've like... What I've shifted to in playing video games is like going from console to having... Like using my iPad for everything because being a New Yorker, I'm never really home. And when I'm home, I like either have to write jokes or go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always on the train. But the most frustrating thing is when you're on the train and you can't play a game because it's like, oh, no internet connection. Yeah. I'm like, what is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Some of the games we play are big jokes. You could uh, just use those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't understand that. Unfortunately, there's a, I don't, Oh, I know about Apple, but on Android, there's a section that says no internet, no problem. And, uh, Ooh, I like that. I even play, paid for a game recently and it's still doing that to me. Yeah. Oof. And I was like, what's the point? You're it's usually, not even, it's a, you're usually pretty safe for like game. an indie title, like a smaller indie game or something. Yeah. Well, I went home for Christmas this year and my brother's, uh, they live together and they play each other in Settlers of Catan, the board game. Oh, I love that game. Um, yeah, they were playing each other and then they invited me to play and I'm like, it can't be that difficult. And they kicked the crap out of me real quick. Uh, and I, for the last two weeks, have been playing it obsessively on my iPad so that I could beat them when I go home next I time. I love board games on a tablet. I, yeah, it's I pretty great. It because you don't, or even like card games, you don't have to shuffle. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You don't have to put the pieces yeah, away. Just, nope. You don't lose a piece. You don't step in a Monopoly mm -hmm. house late in the night. Yep, exactly. It's beautiful. Digital board games are awesome. Yeah, that's how they should all be. Elliot, do you have another question? Yeah, do you have any uh, good heckler stories at all? Do you, have you ran into that at all? Oh, I do have one good heckler story. Uh, but hecklers aren't terribly common. I have two heckler stories. Uh, I'll tell one. One, I will tell one. I'll probably leave out. <laughs> um, well, okay, stop. Swap it. Yeah. Leave out the one what? you're gonna tell. Oh no! But the, <laughs> no I'm the, one I'm gonna, the one I'm going to tell is the better story. Okay. The one that I was going to leave out is not as good as a story, but just contains someone who he's not famous. He just has gotten a better, higher job than I have. Okay. Well, no, so, I just well, I was joking. I thought maybe the the one leaving out was more provocative, but. No, definitely not. Go with the, the better one. This one, this one, I think, is a good story. Um, so I do spend way too much time doing online dating. Uh, and the thing that I've noticed is that I don't even know if I'm, like, looking for romance. I just look to, like, talk to people mm -hmm. or, like, hang out with people, go on dates or whatever. And this is about four or five years ago. And I matched someone. And it was, like, the middle of the day on a Friday. So, like, we'll say, like, three or four o'clock. And that person said, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, oh, I have a stand-up show. And then they asked, can I come to it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really invite people that I meet on Tinder to go to my stand-up shows. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't hear from them. They didn't say anything to me. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then, uh, so in that show, I was doing stand-up to open. And then we were doing improv after. So my group of, uh, it was three of us at that time. And... I go on stage, I do my stand-up, and it goes pretty well. 
and then I sit down and then we go on stage at the end of the show, me and the two other guys to do improv. And the person that I matched with is sitting in the second row. And I was like, oh no, what is going on right now? <laughs> Stalker already. And I was like, I, yeah, I was like, I didn't invite her. How did she get here? How did she even know where I was? And I was like, oh, she could have just put like t- Googled Ronnie Comedian New York or something yep. and found mm-hmm. me. And I was like, oh, it was probably easier than I gave it credit for. But she watched the show. And then next to the theater, well, connected to the theater is a bar, the same bar that I got drunk before and wrote the Back to the Future thing with. Um, so she goes, do you want to grab a drink since I'm here already? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so we go and sit at the bar and she, so this is like kind of like late heckling. She decided to tell me what, how to make all my jokes funnier. <laughs> and, <laughs> And which ones I should leave out. And I was just like, ugh. So I consider that heckling. Yeah, that's a good story. Should... And oh, well, actually, there's a better ending to that story now, too, because... I'm married uh, to her. She... <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> I think I missed the train on that one. I'm very sad about that. But uh, so when I moved to Los Angeles, I was hanging out with a New York friend who had also moved to Los Angeles. And she's like, hey, can our can my friend come hang out with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then her friend meets up with us, and it is that person Whoa. from earlier. On the other side of the country? Yeah. Oh and I well, yeah, Stalker. Think about it. Like, Yeah, all the comedians, we all like hang out with the same people. So it makes sense that this yeah. person was. Uh, and I do actually have another heckler story. This one's very quick. But again, on Tinder, and I was doing my homework, and so – Someone was like, hey, do you want to go on a date? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I used what was listed, like their name and their job to like Google them. And I typed in whatever their first and last name was. And it autofilled to Heckler. So like, say, Jane Smith Heckler. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) And I hit enter. And there was one article. And this person that I was going on a date with got so drunk that she heckled someone at a comedy club. And there was a Huffington Post writer at that comedy show. And uh, the person who was heckling heckled so harshly that the comedian cried and left. Wow. And then a Huffing- Huffington Post wrote an article about this. Wow. <laughs> you sure and I was like, I have. Yeah. I was like, I have to go on a date with this person. And the whole time, I never brought up the article, but I kept on going, oh, I work. I do most of my work at this one club. What, uh, have you been there before? And she never said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to lead her with the question, but she didn't bite. Yeah, because the article said where she did it, and I was like, "Oh, have you been there before?" And she was like, "Nope, uh, never heard of it." <laughs> All right. Well, I'm topped out of questions. Uh, either of you guys have any other ones? No, I'm good. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to teach me um, improv? Sure, I'll be there in a few minutes. Thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. It's a quick drive to you said Columbus. Wait, right? it's tick, no, I'm in Florida actually, so further. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. And you're in what Gainesville? Just north of it. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. You, you could you could hop on the train and get down I mean, here, right? It only takes like 10, 15 <laughs> minutes to teach me, right? I mean, um, yeah. Okay. It's very quick. Okay, good. We all we spend like four thousand dollars each to do improv, so you're getting a good deal on me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I don't have any other questions. All Sounds right. good. Did you want to ask one of your questions, Ronnie? 
I was just going to ask, what games are you most excited for for this new decade? Jeff? Um, for me, uh, and it hasn't been announced, and uh, there may not even be coming, but uh, a brand new wrestling game, like not these WWE games that have been garbage lately, but something new and fresh. And apparently that is coming soon. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But Overwatch 2, primarily. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'd say either Cyberpunk, because I really like The Witcher, mm, good choice. Uh, or the new, the next Breath of the Wild game, because I really like the first one too. Mm-hmm. Good choice. I like watching my brother play The Witcher. Yeah, that's a good game to watch. That's a good watching game. Like you can have someone, you know. Yeah. I thought I felt like that with the like Uncharted games. Like those were good games to watch somebody play. Yeah, definitely. Um. Well, I can't afford like new games. That's why I started the podcast in the first place because I'm all about the free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's nothing like AAA titles that I'm looking forward to. I know that uh, High Res is bringing out a new free to play, oh, almost like company. a Counter Strike style. Yeah, Rogue Company. Uh, I am looking forward to that. That's probably that. That would be my choice. Uh, and Team Fight Tactics. He's really looking forward to Team Fight Tactics. Is that sarcasm? I sense. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it, but. I play a lot of auto chess and they hate that fact that I keep having us play them. <laughs> I don't blame them. <laughs> what? <laughs> I won't fight. Let's not. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pacifist. I, when we have a special guest, I always have to tone it down, but um, I'm going to let Elliot have it all the more next week. Great. You never have to tone it down for me. Well, see, you actually know comedy, so you could just say some really hurtful things like, Jeff, you are not funny. And then I will go and cry. So I'm just going to rein it in. You'd be surprised, though. I never say mean or at least I try not to. Well, I'm going to take your advice of try. don't try to be the funny one, which is hard for me. Yeah, it's surprisingly... Well, that's only an improv. In real life, try to be the funny one. Okay, all right. You heard that here first, Mom. (laughs) Yeah, try to be the funny one. Does your mom even listen to this, Jeff? No, absolutely not. I tried to play for her. She's like, do we have to? I was like, no. Jeez. I just want you to be proud of me, Mom. (laughs) My grandmother had, this is a true story, has been trying to make me tell stories about her on stage. And so I was like, oh, for Christmas, instead of buying her something, I'm going to tell jokes about her, nice ones and then record them and show it to her. And then two seconds into showing her on Christmas, she just started talking, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to show her the rest <laughs> She's of like, where's oh, my gift? That's the worst. <laughs> She's you like, great, like, great video. Where's like, my gift? Yeah. You ever, yeah, exactly. You ever have, like, a favorite movie? Man, you're going to love it, and you sit down with someone, and they just don't pay attention. Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Do you want to tell them where you can they can find you again, Ronnie? Sure. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter at Ronnie Pascal. It's R O N N Y P A S C A L E. And that is. And then I'm doing shows at the People's Improv Theater. And in February in Los Angeles, I'm doing a clubhouse. If you go on Twitter, you could find information on that. Very nice. Yeah. Whenever I told them we were interviewing you, they're like looking it up. And they're like, is this this Ron Dog dog guy? Yeah, there's a Ron Dog on Twitter. You should have gotten that name. Oh. Yeah, it's a good handle. You should have. Yeah, you should have interviewed that guy instead. <laughs> yeah, he looked like a winner. He looked like a winner. But unfortunately, uh, Ron D-A-double-G 
uh, was not available. He hadn't posted since like 2015. So. Oh no. Yeah. Well, he's doing better in life than me if he doesn't need the Twitter validation that I need. Yeah, right. Don't you also do a podcast or no? Uh, I'm in the process of starting a whole bunch. Um, I've done, I started a podcast a bunch of years ago where comedians tell stories about pooping their pants, all true stories. Oh, uh, Scott! <clears throat> Scott! Yeah, shut up. Scott, you could. Is there a good poop story? You could do that one. You could. T- oh, sorry. <laughs> We're not supposed well, to. I did two episodes of that one before I got Bill's palsy and when my face paralyzed. And then after I healed, I was kind of like, I don't know. We'll do this again later. <laughs> if we ever get a Patreon, Scott, we have to have a goal <laughs> where we hear the poop story. Oh, oh have you never told your poop story? <laughs> I do not tell the poop story. <laughs> oh, I love telling my poop story. Here we go. Letting it all out. Let's close the show out <laughs> with a poop story. Here we go. Oh, my poop story is not good. I'll tell it, though. Oh, it's okay. quick if you want. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll, I don't mind. It's uh, So I had got Bell's palsy, and the medicine from it, like, really messed up my, like, like my sleep patterns, my eat patterns and everything. I wasn't going to the bathroom regularly. I was just going, like, days without pooping. And one day I went to Walgreens, and I don't normally get Lucky Charms, but they're on sale for the... <laughs> Big box was on sale. <laughs> and I was like, great idea. I'm going to get a big box of Lucky Charms. So it was like a 16-ounce box for like $1.99. And I was like, good idea. And then ate the whole thing in like one sitting because my medicine messed up my brain. I was like, this is great. And then my friend was like, hey, do you want to go to taco place for lunch? Oh, I was like, yeah, cool. God. Yeah. And so I got a burrito at this place called Sancho's Tacos in LA. And then... Since I had just moved there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk to, like, explore the world. You're just setting yourself up. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But my medicine didn't let me think that this was an issue. <laughs> and New York me would never do this. Los Angeles was like, great idea. Uh, and then so, yeah, I, like, walked, like, two blocks. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, worst stomachache I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> And then I started running home as quickly as I could, and it just fell out of my pants. <laughs> it, <was> just... <laughs> it looked like I went mud wrestling. Oh, good. Yeah. And then I walked into the house, and my roommate was in the shower. I was like, he'll never know. He'll never know. And as soon as I opened the door, he said he could smell it. And I don't know if this is true or not. <laughs> oh, my. He, he threw up while he was taking a shower. Uh, what you should have done. <laughs> Is yeah, just, he was in the shower when I got home. What you should have done is just got in the shower with him, fully clothed, and just own it. Yeah. I shit my pants, man, and then just <laughs> wash it all off while he's in there. Oh man, he would murder me. He's a germaphobe, so I'm surprised he let me stay living there. <laughs> Take us home, Scott. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> For someone who doesn't want to tell their poo story, you sure are enduring that a lot. <laughs> I just can't help it. I'm like thinking uh, if he only closes it out with they're always after me lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me, uh... you, killed, you killed our host. I, Thank you. I literally killed. Woohoo. Mic drop. 
All right, so next week we are going to be playing Tales of Majael. Yep. Which I can't even get it installed yet, Jeff. I'm having issues with that. I had issues with it, too. It took me really? three times. It took me three times to oh, get it, it installed. I had to run it as administrator, and that worked. Oh. oh okay. Maybe that's why. So I, I had to, to uninstall it and then reinstall it as administrator, and that's how I got it to work. So. All right. I'll try that out, see if that works. Thank you for joining us. Wherever you listen, we ask that you would leave us a favorable review. Don't forget to subscribe. If you want to follow us on the social medias, uh, you can follow us at Budget Arcade on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a website, www.budgetarcade.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash budgetarcade. You can send any hate mail to show at budgetarcade.com. Music <laughs> is provided by Stimmage, and you can download his music at metroidmetal.com. Go Thank follow. you for joining us again. Nope. Go follow Ronnie on Twitter. Oh. If you're in the New York mm-hmm. area, hit my man up. Give him some love from Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And game on. Mm-hmm.